We're here together this morning because we don't have it all together. We're actually all deeply needy people. And that's why when we come to worship, we want to focus on this reality, that in Jesus, we have everything that we could ever need. And he walks with us and he stays with us wherever we go. Hear these words as God calls us to worship this morning. This is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you have a copy of the scriptures with you this morning, if you would turn with me to uh, John chapter 10. Uh, We are going to take a look at the first 21 verses of John chapter 10 this morning. It's also uh, printed for you in your bulletin, and uh, I'll read the first 18 verses, and that'll be, uh, that'll be up on the screen uh, as we do the reading. But as you're, uh, as you're getting there, as you're turning there, uh, I, I want to take a moment to remind us um, about uh, where we're going and, and what we're doing this year in the Gospel of John. Um, we are thinking together this year about life with Jesus. What does life with Jesus look like? Uh, and we're doing that by going through the Gospel of John, and in a few weeks we'll take a break uh, from John to, to look at the Sermon on the Mount uh, th- this summer, and then we'll dip back into the Gospel of John. But remember, we're thinking about life with Jesus together this year, and if you can, if you can go all the way back to the beginning of the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, remember that life with Jesus starts with God's commitment to us. Life with Jesus starts with us seeing God's commitment to us. And John wants us to see that in the biggest possible picture of our lives. So John 10, uh, verses 1 through 18. Beloved, this is God's word for us this morning. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So again, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's pray together uh, and ask the Lord to help us understand his word this this morning. Jesus, as we read uh, your words here, uh, Lord, we are brought to the reality that uh, you have laid down your life for us. That you are our good shepherd and that we are your sheep and that life is best lived found in you and what you have done for us. Father, you are gracious to us. You love us so much that you've given us Jesus. And Holy Spirit, would you work it into our hearts this morning to see our need for our Savior? Would you make Jesus bigger and bigger and bigger to us? And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you have uh, been in a job for any length of time, any period of time, you know how important a job description is, don't you? Like to know what your job is, to know what your responsibilities are, to know what you're supposed to be doing, to know, uh, to, to know uh, what, what the work that you have is and what you are supposed to be doing. Now, if you're here this morning and you haven't been in, in a job for any length of time, that's okay. Uh, but what I do want to communicate to you is that a job description is incredibly important. It's really important. And, and those of us in here who have had jobs that did not have a job description with it know how heavy that weight is. Because you don't really know what it is that you're supposed to be doing. You don't really know what it is that you're responsible for. And that's really, really difficult. So job description is actually a very, very important thing. And this does actually have something to do with our text today. Okay? See, because we, we come to John 10 and Jesus has been answering questions. He has been healing people. He's been fixing problems. And we come to John chapter 10 and Jesus takes a moment to give the Jews that he's speaking to and interacting with and to give us his job description. There's no question being asked. There's no problem for Jesus to fix. Jesus is just coming to the people that he's been interacting with. And he's coming to you and he's coming to me and he's telling me, this is my job description. And we see it specifically in verse 18. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. This job description... I have received from my Father. Jesus lays down his life and he takes it up again. That's what the Father has given Jesus to do. That's his work. That describes his job. And leading up to this, what Jesus does for us is he tells us how he sees the world. 
He tells us how he sees the world in a very big picture sense. And he's saying, when I see the world, here's what I see. I see sheep, and I see that I am the shepherd. I see sheep, and I see that I'm the shepherd. That's our trigger points this morning, the sheep and the shepherd. So we're going to start by taking a look at how Jesus sees the world, how Jesus sees humanity. He sees humanity as sheep. Numerous times throughout this passage, Jesus talks about sheep. And in order to understand what he's getting at with this imagery, we've got to dig into a little bit uh, what the nature of sheep are. Like we've got to understand sheep. And here's several things that we, that, that we can see and that we know uh, about sheep. And remember, he's talking about us. He's talking about humanity. Here's the first thing, all right? So just take this in, okay? The first thing about sheep, sheep are not that smart, okay? Sheep are not very intelligent animals. Uh, they're not quick to understand things. They don't really understand a bigger picture, Around them, they can really only see like what's right in front of their face. They do not lead. They are always led. And they always follow no matter where it is that they're led. Okay? If a shepherd leads his sheep to the edge of a cliff and there's a ravine below, the sheep will literally follow that shepherd all the way off of that ravine, off of that cliff and into a ravine. Sheep are not that smart. And this has implications for us, okay? Because just, just hear it. Jesus is saying, you aren't as smart as you think you are. You, we, you think you're smart, but you're not as smart as you think you are. There's a lot that you don't know. There's a lot that I don't know. There's a lot that we don't know. And oftentimes, Jesus is even saying, we will run headlong into destruction without even thinking about what it is that we're doing. The first thing about sheep is they're not that smart. Here's another thing. Sheep are vulnerable. Sheep are very vulnerable. Jesus mentions throughout this passage that there are numerous characters who will try to come and to take the sheep away and get at the sheep. In verse 5, Jesus tells us that there are strangers who will try to lead sheep astray. Jesus says that thieves and robbers will come to destroy and kill sheep. In verse 12, Jesus says that wolves will try and come and snatch the sheep away. And then he even makes this play on the wolf coming with hired hands in verse 12. Hired hands that would leave the sheep in the lurch while they are being attacked. Leave them to be taken advantage of and harmed by the wolf. Sheep are always at risk of being led astray, of being taken advantage of, of being harmed by those who want them for their own agendas and their own purposes. And Jesus is saying, you're vulnerable. You are, you, you are, you can be led astray. You can be taken advantage of. You can be harmed by those who want you for their agendas and purposes. We are vulnerable, and the biggest reason that we are vulnerable is because sheep are absolutely helpless. Helpless. Sheep don't know what to do with themselves. Of all of the animals in the animal kingdom, sheep require the most oversight and care. I mean, think about this for a second. All right, uh, if you're here and you have a dog, okay, and in your dog, 
gets, uh, gets out of the fence in the backyard. What do they do? What's that dog going to do? You can respond. It's okay. It's all right. What's that dog going to do if he gets out of the backyard? He's going to bolt, right? Like gonna, he's just going just gonna to absolutely bolt, run. It's like freedom, you know? I'm gone. I'm out of here and everything. And here's what that dog will do. is one of two things. The dog will either figure out how to live life independently and on, on its own, or what's most likely is the dog will actually come back home, okay? Sheep won't do that. Sheep will just wander aimlessly. They don't run for unadulterated freedom. They just kind of wander off. They kinda, they're, they're really, really helpless. They just aimlessly wander and they will never return. They will either die or be killed. Sheep don't even know how to find their own food. They have to literally be led right to food. The only way that sheep will survive if they get lost is for someone to come and to get them and bring them back home. It's the only way. And look, Jesus isn't being elusive here with us, okay? What Jesus is doing, like make no mistake, Jesus is inviting all of us to see ourselves as sheep. That's what Jesus is doing. He's inviting us to see ourselves as sheep. Jesus is telling us that we are 100% dependent upon him for everything. He's telling that to his audience right here that he's been talking to over the course of numerous chapters. He's telling that to us. That's exactly how Jesus sees humanity. 100% dependent on the shepherd. And this actually means something for us because it means that we were actually made to listen to and follow the good shepherd. It means that life for us works best in a particular way. And I think that that's actually kind of hard for us to stomach because we, we live in an age that tries to make sense of what it means to be human by being the captain of my own ship. By being the one who calls all of the shots. The one who is in ultimate control. An age where freedom is defined by do what makes you happy whenever and wherever you want to do it. And oh, always make sure that you're keeping your options open. And Jesus' vision for freedom is different than that. Jesus' vision for freedom is that we are sheep. Meaning that we have to understand that we're not that smart that we're vulnerable, that we're helpless, we're absolutely dependent on him, the good shepherd. Now, let's take this in for, for, for a minute together. Because I think that this idea of total helplessness is actually something that we all really struggle to believe. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're hearing Jesus' words um, about you being a sheep and you're kind of like, I'm not sure that I really buy it. I don't know. I think I'm pretty smart. I don't really think that I'm vulnerable and helpless. I'm a pretty capable person and self-aware. not really sure that I actually need a shepherd. Or maybe you're on the other side of things. You're here this morning and you have heard this and read this passage. This is your thousandth time. Or maybe even more. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm helpless. Let's move on. What's next? 
We need to slow down and consider the ramifications of what Jesus is saying. We need to slow down and consider our hearts. Because I think that every one of us is actually tempted to give ourselves to something or someone other than Jesus. Other than the good shepherd. I think that all of us struggle looking at something or someone to give us ultimate purpose and meaning in life. If you've been here for a little while, you've heard me share some of my uh, struggles with you uh, that I try to find ultimate purpose and meaning and my identity in being a good parent. That I I really struggle with that. And I struggle with that from the standpoint of that I want you to look at me and think of me as a good parent. But I also struggle deep down with wanting my children to think that I'm a good parent. And it's not that wanting to be a good parent and wanting my children to think of me as a good dad is bad. That's not a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. But I struggle to find my ultimate meaning and identity in this. Like who I am as a human being. I am tempted to make parenting an ultimate thing. When I overreact in disciplining my children, the pit in my stomach is so deep and so wide. And if I'm honest with you guys and with myself, it's really because I want my children to only think good and positive things and thoughts about me. And I'm convinced that if I perform time in and time out and over and over again, that my children's life and my life will be absolutely whole. I really, really, really struggle with that. And if you're a parent who struggles with deriving your ultimate purpose, your ultimate meaning, your ultimate identity from being a parent, you know it's never enough. It's never enough. There is always more. We are always struggling to live our lives thinking that that our meaning is based on how well we perform. We struggle to live lives by grace. We do. Whether you're a parent or not, you know what it means to strive to find ultimate purpose and meaning in a whole host of things. Whether it's your career, if you're in college, maybe it's your major, money, sexuality, relationships. And Jesus is saying to us here, the difference between all of those things... All of the things that you run to, that I run to, to find ultimate purpose and meaning. The difference between those things and me, Jesus is saying, is that those things will always want more from you. And I am the only one who wants something for you. Not from you. All of those things that we run to to find our identity and purpose, the things that we think deep down will will make us truly free. We think that they will fulfill us. They will always demand more. It will always ask something from us, more from us. The life of performance will always demand more from you and me, and it will always want something from you. And the good shepherd 
Jesus is the only one who wants something for you and for me. And he wants us to see that we're sheep, that we're helpless. We are in constant need of him and who he is. And that brings us to the good shepherd. Okay? Who is this good shepherd? Well, let's start by looking at what Jesus says that he is not. Okay? Because there are several things in this passage that Jesus says, I'm not this, but I am the good shepherd. One of the things that Jesus says that he's not is that he's not a thief or a robber. Okay? If you look back at verses 1, verse 2, verse 8, he keeps coming back to this idea of thief and robber. And Jesus is saying, I'm not trying to rob and steal the sheep for my personal benefit. That's what robbers and thieves do. They take things that don't belong to them and use them for their own purposes. And just for a minute, remember, part of the people that Jesus is talking to here were religious leaders. Part of the people that Jesus is talking to are religious leaders who are responsible for the spiritual care of God's people. And he is inviting them to consider how they see themselves. And he's saying to them, there's some of you here who are thieves and robbers who have tried to lead the sheep, God's people, by bringing them in a door through another way other than me. That's exactly what Jesus is getting at in verse, verse 1. You're trying to lead God's people into God's place, into God's house through another door than me. And let me say for a second that this is something that Dave and I were talking about this past week. Personally, this piece of thief and robber really, really hits home for, for me personally. As one of your pastors who has been entrusted with your spiritual care, with the spiritual care of God's sheep, of God's people, this hits home very, very personally to me. See, because Jesus is being very upfront here. He's saying, he's saying, JP, if you're trying to bring my sheep into the sheepfold by pointing the sheep to someone other than me, you are in big trouble. You are a thief. You are a robber. You are trying to steal my sheep from me. If I do anything other than continue to point you to Jesus and your need for him over and over and over again, then Jesus is telling me I'm trying to steal you from him. This has deep implications. This personally really hits home to me as your pastor, but it's also been hitting home to me as what my experience was like growing up in the church as well. And there are many of you who are here who know what it's like to be experienced trying to be robbed from Jesus by religious leaders pointing you to something other than Jesus for your identity and your purpose and your worth. It's just an example. Uh, many of you know that, that Carrie, who's my wife if you're here visiting, we met um, working for a, a foreign missions agency. Okay, uh, We both uh, did missions. We went and lived abroad. I lived in Nepal, and 
Carrie uh, lived in Spain. And uh, when we were applying to this program, we had to go through numerous interviews, okay? There were written interviews, there were in-person interviews, there were phone interviews, there were numerous, numerous interviews. And one of the, the, one of the requirements for being accepted to this program to go um, and to, and to uh, preach and teach Jesus uh, where, uh, where we felt like he was leading us to, to, to do that, one of the requirements was that I had to have led someone personally to Jesus. I had to have led someone personally in praying a sinner's prayer to Jesus. Let me tell you, if that's been your experience in the church, that is wrong. That is wrong. That is, that is about you. That was about me, not about Jesus. That was about my performance, what I was bringing to the table. It wants something from me. It wants something from you. It's very personal. As I read Jesus say, do not be a thief and a robber. And saying, oh, I am not. I'm the good shepherd. Jesus also says that he's not a stranger in verse 5. He's saying that he's not trying to slyly lure the sheep away and deceive them into thinking he's something that he's not. He says that he's not a wolf in verse 12. He's not seeking to devour you and me to attack us and turn us into a meal to harm and hurt us. And Jesus also says that he's not a hired hand either. He's not someone who runs away from the sheep when danger comes. He's not just with the sheep for his own benefit. And when things stop benefiting him, he runs to protect self. In a way, we could look at all of these things that Jesus says that he's not, whether it's thief, robber, stranger, wolf, hired hand, all of these things that Jesus says that he is not. And we can see that those are actually things that we run to to find our purpose and identity and meaning and to, and to run to define to tell us what it means to be human how often have you been robbed by the lie that your career will make you feel whole how has the thought of financial security stolen what it means for you to exist in this world dependent upon the good shepherd how many of us are willing to be lured away by a stranger that convinces us that he's the real good shepherd? Or maybe, maybe there's some of you here and it's that hired hand of that relationship that you're putting everything into. And at the end of the day, when it stops benefiting the other person in that relationship, he or she is going to run away. But you're putting all that you have into that hired hand. Dave mentioned a few weeks ago that there's, um, there's a documentary that's been, that, that was released back in March uh, about a guy who free soloed El Capitan, a guy named Alex Honnold. And I'm, I'm, Carrie will tell you, I'm borderline obsessed with this right now. So, um, so you're, just, you're just getting a little bit of that. It's pretty amazing to watch a guy climb 3,000 feet with no rope and just a chalk bag and 
and shoes. But one of the things that gets highlighted in that documentary is, is the relationship that he has with his girlfriend, uh, who's a woman named, uh, named Sonny. Uh, and there are several times throughout the documentary that, that it really kind of hones in on the nature of their relationship. And there's a point in the documentary where they're having this conversation, and they're, they're talking about what would it take to make Alex like stop free soloing. To, to stop doing that. And, and he kind of says, well, if I had some sort of obligation that would, um, that would make me consider maximizing my life expectancy, then, uh, then I would consider, you know, not free soloing anymore. And his girlfriend, Sonny, looks at him and, and she, says, she says, Alex, like, am, am I that kind of obligation to make you want to maximize your life expectancy? And I mean, without skipping a beat, he looks at her and he says, oh, no, absolutely not. No, mm-mm. no, you're not that kind of, that kind of obligation. Now, and, it, and it's like, it's real deadpan. Uh, it's real deadpan. And, and I, I mean, watching that, I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with you? Like, this guy is clearly only in this for his benefit. And when it stops benefiting him, then he's out. When you stop being the person that he wants you to be, then he's gone. He's out of it. How many of us have been in those kinds of relationships, whether it's boyfriend or girlfriend or friendship? How many of us have run to that hired hand? And Jesus is saying that anything that we run to other than him, the good shepherd, will always try to rob us, mislead us, attack us, and run away when we are of no benefit to it anymore. So who is this good shepherd? And what is it that he does? Jesus tells us in verses 3 and 4 that Jesus leads us. And this is, this is really great because Jesus tells us that he leads us. And what he means by that is he does not demand that his sheep go somewhere that he's not willing to go himself. That he, that, that, that he doesn't demand that the sheep go somewhere, that he's not going to take them, that he's with us. It means that he goes ahead of us and before us to protect us and take us to pastures where, where, where we were made for, to enjoy being led and submitting to the good shepherd. Jesus leads us. Jesus also tells us that he saves us and he gives us life. Verses 9 and 10. Jesus says that he saves us. And what he's saying when he says that, he says, I'm saving you from everything that you are running to to make yourself feel ultimate purpose and ultimate wholeness and identity. Whether it's your work, your relationships, your money, Jesus is saving us from that. The Bible says that all of those places that we run to to give ourselves ultimately to instead of Jesus is sin. That's how the Bible talks about that. And Jesus is saying here that he, the good shepherd, is saving us from our sin. That's what he's doing. And what he does in exchange is he gives us life. He helps us see how life is supposed to be lived. To be lined up with who he is and how he works in the world, and to, be, and to live lives by grace and not by performance. And there's also a protective measure in here as well, too, 
in this saving and giving us life? Because Jesus saves us and he leads us and he protects us from the wolf. He protects us from the thief. He protects us from those things that would try to take us from him. Do you know how he does this? He does this through the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that? Like, like God gives us the Holy Spirit so that when we are tempted to run to something other than Jesus for our identity, we can look at that through the power of the Holy Spirit and say, no. You can say no to sin. Like, that's how Jesus does this, is through the work of his Holy Spirit. And in the places where we get hurt and pained and attacked and sinned against, Jesus is, is there with us. The Holy Spirit comforts us in our time of need. Jesus tells us that he saves us and he gives us life. And you know how he does that? By laying down his life for us. This is the image that Jesus continues to come back to throughout this passage. Verse 11, verse 15, verse 17, verse 18. Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. That's how Jesus saves us. That's how Jesus leads us. That's how Jesus gives us life by laying down his life for us. John uses this phrase multiple times. And in saying this, Jesus is saying, I'm not like the thief. I'm not like the robber. I'm not like the stranger. I'm not like the wolf. I'm not like the hired hand. I'm not demanding something from you. I'm doing everything for you. All of it. Everything. The word that John uses for the word for... In verse 15, it literally translates, in place of. So Jesus says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life in the place of sheep. Jesus is saying, the wolf is coming. And it will devour. Sin will devour. But I'm not going to let it do that to you. I'll take your place. I'll let sin devour me for you. Jesus is doing everything for you and me. Jesus is saying here, I am your substitute. It's my life for yours. And this work is cosmic. It's so much bigger than just you and me. And he even gives us that hint here in this passage when he's looking at this group of people who are Jews and he says to them in verse 16, oh, I've got sheep from another pasture too. And I'm going to get them as well too. Do you realize that when Jesus says that, he's talking about us? He's talking about you and me? Like this thing that he is doing in trading his life for ours and laying down his life for ours, it's so much bigger than just you and me. It spans history from time all the way into the future on past us that Jesus has an entire sheepfold that he is one single shepherd of. And he's doing that and gathering us in by laying down his life for us. He's doing it by trading places. And he tells us that he lays down his life to take it up again. And he tells us that he has the authority to do that. He is saying, I am the good shepherd who is willing to be devoured by sin. And in doing so, 
I will defeat it because sin will not be able to hold me down. And I'm bringing you with me. I'm bringing you in. That is where I'm leading you to life. And if you just permit me a little bit more time here. This analogy, this image that Jesus uses here is incredibly personal. It's so deep. And it's so personal. And it pushes us to think about the entirety of our lives. The image of Jesus being our shepherd and us being his sheep is the most personal description that Jesus uses to describe our relationship to him in all of the gospel accounts. You know, Jesus is described to us as our king. He's described to us as our friend. Jesus even tells us that he judges as well too. He points us to our father who is gracious to us. And you know, if you think about it and you slow down all of those things are places where Jesus is a part of our lives. The king doesn't necessarily live in the house with you, right? Your friend at the end of the day goes home. Your judge is there in a court of law, but then dismisses you. But a shepherd? A shepherd is always with his sheep. A shepherd never leaves his sheep. He is always present with them. He sleeps with them in the pen. He guides them every step of the way. And Jesus even says that he knows each and every one of our names. Personally. He calls us by our names. And here is the craziest of all turns in this imagery that Jesus uses for our relationship to him. Because you see, sheep were certainly not that smart. Sheep were definitely vulnerable Sheep are absolutely helpless and 100% dependent upon the shepherd. But do you know what else the sheep were to the shepherd? The sheep are the most valued and treasured possession of the shepherd. Do you realize that's what Jesus is saying about you and me here? He's saying, here's my job description. This is what the Father has sent me to do, to lay down my life for the sheep, all of them, the ones in this flock right in front of me and the ones in a flock that I have somewhere else as well too, all of them from all of history before this moment and on into the future that goes beyond every single one of us. And I do it, I lay down my life because you are more precious to me than anything else. You are more treasured to me than even my own life. Jesus is saying that my love for you runs so deep and so wide that you can't even fathom how big it is and how much I have done everything for you and how much I am making you whole. And so Jesus is committed to to continuing to point us to our helplessness to our 100% dependence upon him. He is our good shepherd, and he's going to continue to line up our lives with his. He's going to continue to point out things to you and me that we are running to, to find our ultimate purpose and meaning, and he's going to take those things away. And he's going to say, see, my love is so much better than this. Life with me is so much better than this. I'm going to reorient how you think about your whole life. 
I'm going to convince you more and more that your purpose and meaning and identity are not in your performance, but in me, the good shepherd who's laid down his life for you. Jesus is not going to look at us and say, perform better. I need more from you. You're not meeting my expectations and you're not benefiting me anymore, so I'm out. Jesus is not going to do that. Jesus looks at us and he says, you're mine. You are my most valued and treasured possession. I will not let you go. I will keep you. And my goodness and my mercy will follow you all the days of your life until I bring you into my house forever. Beloved, the Lord will bless you and he will keep you. Today, his smile is upon you. It's also on you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It is always there and he is always gracious to you. And now and forever and even in the age to come, God will always be with you. He will bring you into his house forever because he is the good shepherd who makes you and me whole. Go in peace.